Well, we are uh, back to our series on the parables of Jesus this morning. And today we're uh, going to look at a story that Jesus told about some people whose lives had gotten hacked. Has anyone ever had their uh, online banking or their credit card uh, information hacked in some way? Had your identity stolen? All right, Amanda, others. Uh, you get a phone call and somebody's gotten into your used your debit card for something. Uh, I know we had that happen. Somebody had bought a lot of uh, stuff in New- sporting goods in New York. They were going skiing or something with our uh, bank account. But um, and of course, uh, a hacker is someone who looks for weaknesses in a computer system or um, a network, and then they exploit those weaknesses for their own benefit. And sometimes. You know, they've got a variety of reasons for doing this. Uh, Sometimes it's for profit. Other times they're, you know, upset with the government or something, so they're trying to hack into government computers, or some do it just for the challenge, you know, the risk that uh, they get some kind of high out of that. And governments and businesses uh, spend millions of dollars to prevent hackers from hacking into their computer systems and and, uh, online websites. And I was even reading in Wired Magazine uh, this last week that uh, they've discovered there's a way to hack into, like, your OnStar system on your car and cause the brakes to fail on your car. So we uh, live in a world where the possibility of getting hacked is, is uh, very real. And, um, but Jesus told a story way back 2,000 years ago about people who, whose lives had been hacked, uh, their identities stolen, and, and uh, something that can be just as destructive to our spiritual lives today. So we're going to look at this story. It's found in Matthew 13. It's also found in Mark 4 and Luke 8. I put those addresses in your message notes if you want to read the different versions of it later in the week. Today we're reading from Matthew 13, and it's a story about a farmer. Uh, just out of curiosity, or anyone here uh, grew up on a farm. Anyone that, that didn't grow up on a farm is probably a better question here. But uh, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of farmers here. I grew up on a farm. My dad was a farmer. And one of the things that I remember about farming that it was that it was uh, pretty unpredictable. Uh, dad would plant the seeds and the corn seed, and you know we maybe wouldn't get enough rain, or you'd get too much rain, and there there'd be no crop or a, a very small crop or uh, just when it was time for the wheat to be harvested, there, a big wind would come through and blow down the wheat, and it was just a pretty unpredictable uh, proposition. Sometimes there were great losses, and it wasn't an experience. It's just that farming is a risky operation. And I guess that's why Jesus compared his dad's work to, to farming in so many of his stories, because farming in Jesus' day was just as unpredictable as it is uh, now. And Jesus knew that people would get hacked, and he told a story for those who had ears to hear. And I would invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew 13, uh, very near the front of the New Testament, as we read this story together. We're going to be starting, um, I'm going to start in verse 1, I guess, but you'll pick up on the screen in verse 3. That same day Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake. Such large crowd gathered around him that he got into the boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. 
Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. The birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, because they, um, they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Anybody with ears here? I would guess most of us, pretty much everyone. Jesus was inviting his listeners to use their ears and to learn from this story. And he extends that same invitation to us today. You remember when we started this series, I told you that Jesus' parables always extend an invitation to change and to grow. And often his parables included a warning. And that's true of this parable, the story that we're looking at today. And in this story, Jesus describes three weaknesses that leave us open to hackers, three vulnerabilities that can be exploited by our enemy that will keep us from living a life that makes a difference and can even cause us to miss out on heaven. So in the time that we have left, I want to look at these three weaknesses um, and also the invitation that Jesus extends to us that will help us to defend a against getting hacked in life. And if you're taking notes, um, what I'm going to do is give you the type of the soil and then the weakness that leaves us open to uh, being attacked by the enemy and then the defense that keeps us from getting hacked um, in each of the stories that Jesus, uh, soils that Jesus uh, tells about in this story. So the first soil is the hardened path. And you notice that in this story, um, this farmer... Uh, isn't like farmers today where, you know, they've got a certain field that they till up and they've got irrigation systems and everything for that. This farmer is broadcasting the seed. He's throwing it. He's flinging it. He's generously uh, sowing seed where, wherever he walks. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter where it lands because he wants a crop and he realizes that his seed can grow in the strangest and most unlikely places. So, He is sowing his seed uh, generously. And consequently, some of the seed falls on a footpath. And later on, when Jesus explains this parable to his disciples, he says that that soil represents people who hear the word of God uh, and hear about his love for them, but then they don't respond to what they hear. They don't take any action on it. And so the enemy comes... Uh, They get hacked, and uh, the enemy comes, and he steals the seed before it can even take root and grow. And so the weakness that we see here, the vulnerability that the enemy takes advantage of, is an unresponsive heart. Uh, This type of soil may be more prevalent in America today than in any other generation. There are just so many ways that we see people hardening their heart to the message of the gospel. Um, I think there's this attitude that, you know, it doesn't seem to uh, impact other people's lives or other people aren't that interested in it, so why should 
I let it influence my life in any way. Another way that hearts get hardened is um, when someone suffers a loss of some kind and they blame God for that, and so they just kind of harden their heart towards God and, um, and to the story. And even though God keeps casting seed onto their, their, their hearts and showing his love in so many, many other ways, uh, they have just hardened their heart to God because they blame him for this loss that they've had. And, of course, there's pride and unbelief. Um, people just uh, say, I don't need God, or I don't believe that he exists. And so they harden their heart. And the thing is that when you consistently, over your lifetime, continue to reject the message and the good news about Jesus Christ, then your heart becomes more and more hardened to that. They say that um, it's like 80% of people who have put their faith in Christ do so before the age of 20. And, and it's just more and more, less and less likely that you will uh, receive the seed that's sown in your life the more you reject it. So um, if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, God is casting the seed on your heart again today, offering you that opportunity to experience that new kind of life. And so the invitation that Jesus extends in this parable uh, to us and the challenge, the opportunity for growth is to say yes to Jesus and to accept the life that he came to offer you. And if there's anybody that's never done that, uh, I'd love to talk to you about it. Just check the box on the back of your connection card, and um, I'll connect with you, and we can talk, talk about that. Now, I realize most of you have taken that step, but there's another kind of hacker that once you receive Christ, we need to be alert to. And so the second soil that Jesus talked about was the rocky soil. And he said that this soil represents people who've heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe they grew up in the church or they accepted Jesus at some teen event as, you know, when they were uh, a youth or maybe even came to faith later in life. But then they didn't do anything to, to grow in their faith. They just like, received Jesus as Savior but never really made him Lord of their lives. And Jesus said that this soil represents people who received the word with joy when they heard it, but they have no root. Um, they believe for a while, but then in a time of testing, they fall away. So the weakness here, the vulnerability to being hacked, is a failure to root and ground your life in Christ. Failing to, to uh, ground your life in Jesus Christ. And Jesus said that these plants uh, in the rocky soil died because they had no root. And so the invitation here that Jesus is making through this parable is to continually nurture and grow your relationship with Jesus. Read God's word daily, uh, pray, make Jesus the center of your life, and intentionally develop your relationship with him. Allow the Holy Spirit to change you and to grow you. Uh, we read in Colossians 2, 6, and 7, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. That's Colossians 6, um, 7, and 7. 2, 6, and 7. So when you're living in a vital relationship with Jesus Christ, he empowers you. He enables you to stand and endure those times of trial and testing.
Then the third soil that Jesus talks about in his uh, parable is the weedy, untended soil. And Jesus describes this soil um, as soil that has so many weeds in it that the plants uh, get choked out and they don't produce any fruit. Uh, the, the plant in the rocky soil just withers and dies. It, it, it just falls away from faith. But the plant in the weedy soil is, continues to be rooted in Christ, but it, it's got so much stuff crowding into their life that they don't produce any fruit. And so the vulnerability or weakness that leaves us open to the hacker is uh, in this um, soil is worldliness or, or a crowded life. And I think this is what I see most in my ministry is that people just get so busy and fill their life up with so many things. Um, you know, they work more hours to make more money to buy more things or they get their kids into so many activities that they don't have time for church on Sunday or Tuesday and they spend time on Facebook but don't read their Bible. They let the worries and cares of this life push aside the things that really matter, like giving their kids that foundation or grandkids that foundation for their life. And so the invitation that Jesus extends in this parable um, is to evaluate our priorities and to make God and his kingdom Uh, put God in his kingdom first. And this is so important to understand that the the good-hearted people in Jesus' parable aren't good-hearted because they never had a problem. Um, The plants in the good soil went through drought and wind, but they survived and they thrived because they sent their roots down deeper where the nourishment was. They weren't good-hearted because they never were tempted to choose other things over Christ. They were good-hearted because... They made Christ their highest treasure. And they were self-weeding. They didn't uh, let their lives get filled up with things that weren't really going to make an eternal difference. So our memory verse this week comes from uh, Jesus' words in Matthew 6.33. Let's read it together. Matthew 6.33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Matthew six thirty three, All these things, all the things that we worry about and put before Christ, uh, those things will be taken care of. You know, Jesus invites us in this parable to evaluate our priorities, to not let the worries and cares of the world to, to uh, keep us from making an, internal, an eternal impact with our lives. We really have a limited time here to invest our lives in eternity. Uh, Forrest and I own a home down in Harper Creek, and and often when we go there, we come from different directions. Um, He used to come from work, and I'd come from up here, or he's out running errands, and and we end up down there on Sunday nights or whatever. And so uh, frequently when we come back up to the parsonage at Bellevue, we come together in separate cars. And (laughs) I always go first because... I like to get there fast, you know. I, <laughs> I, I don't like to ride in a car. I don't like to drive a car. I, I just, if I could change ten things about the created order, it would be that we could just be someplace, you know. <laughs> be me there. I don't want to drive there. It would save gas. It would save accidents. I just, you know. But since God didn't arrange things that way, um, 
when we go together, I go first. Because he likes to go slow. He enjoys the journey. You know, I go five minutes, that grace, you know, <laughs> the five minutes, uh, five mile an hour over the speed limit grace that you figure most police officers will offer, give you. I, I go that fast. But that means I have to watch for potholes and people. My eyes are on the road. He goes slow and he enjoys the journey. He's looking at, you know, the trees in the fall when the leaves are on and, you know, in the spring he, we get home and he said, did you see the trees are budding or, you know, this kind of thing. Nope, didn't notice that. But <laughs> he's looking at the landscaping that somebody's doing and so-and-so's adding an addition to their house, all this kind of stuff. The thing is, um, almost always at some point in the journey, we come to a stoplight, and when I'm sitting there, he comes pulling up behind me. <laughs> so he catches up, you know, and uh, he's had a much more enjoyable experience than I have. Here's the thing. There's going to be a stoplight at the end of all of our lives. The mortality rate is 100%. And when that happens, there's only going to be two things that matter. Did you receive the life that Jesus Christ came to give you on the cross? Did you say yes to Jesus? And the second thing is, who is here because of the way you invested your life? And who's missing that could have been here if you did life differently? <laughs>